Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about banking today. Banking in relationship to the kingdom of God. Is there banking in the kingdom of God? What is banking? What do we mean when we say banking? And we'll talk eventually here about an institution that is not allowed to call itself a bank, yet it can do most everything that a bank can do. And we'll also talk about how both the Old and the New Testament tells us to create such institutions and to create them in the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, in the name of Christ, in the ways of God, in the ways of Christ. Okay, those are all the same thing and just saying it in a different way so that you can understand it. But there is a banking institution that is not in the ways of God or the ways of Christ. And it is involving cult, and it is basically an adversary to the ways of God. It, as much an adversary to the ways of God as Cain, Nimrod, uh, Caesar, Pharaoh were adversaries to the ways of God. I actually talked to a minister the other day and was talking about the fact that the Israelites went into bondage was uh, in, in Egypt that uh, you meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. Well, he meant it unto good because he was going to teach them how bad it is to be evil. He was going to punish the wicked, and the wicked were the brothers of Joseph. And he would turn it around to good. Had uh, they had... uh, God never has us do evil so that he can turn it to good. He allows us to do evil and the nature of his creation is to turn evil into good. But we have to make a choice. I know a lot of people want to believe that we have no choice. Well, we do have a choice. We either will draw near to God because we love God, we love the ways of God, and that is the choice that we have to love those ways. It is a humble choice. It is a submissive choice. It is the choice we all must either make or we will make something contrary to that choice, and we will be drawn farther away from God. Cain had a choice. Uh, He had one choice, either go nearer God or go away from God. He chose not to go nearer God, so he ended up going out of the presence of God. That was his choice. Once out of the presence of God, then his choice was no longer his. He was going a different way, and he was... uh, going with the flow, so to speak. And as uh, one politician said, uh, only dead fish go with the flow. Because they're dead to Christ, you will go with the flow, and the flow is going to destruction. So we started talking on Blog Talk about uh, this thing called banking, uh, and one of the quotes that we referred to was Sir Josiah Stamp, president of the Bank of England, one of the second richest men in England, Uh, stated that banking was conceived in iniquity and was born in sin. Bankers own the earth, take it away from them, but leave them the power to create deposits, and with a flick of the pen, they will create enough deposits to buy it back again. However, take it away from them, and all the great fortunes, like mine, will disappear. And they ought to disappear, for this would be a happier and better world to live in. But if you wish to remain the slaves of bankers and pay the cost of your own slavery, let them continue to create deposits. Now, two things I'd like to point out, or at least uh, two, maybe three, is that this concept of banking was born in sin. That's from uh, the president of the Bank of England. Uh, Bankers own the earth. You're supposed to have dominion of the earth, not the bankers. Each of you should actually own your own land. Nobody does in America anymore. People came here, fought, died, lost their children, lost their own lives trying to own land. You don't own your land. You have legal title. Legal title does not include the beneficial interest of the land, and therefore that land is subject to property tax. You're renting. You are serfs upon the land. You have, uh, you profess your Fourth of Julys and your Days of Independence and and uh, your Thanksgiving, but you have.
squandered away your birthright in exchange for benefits and comforts, and you're ashamed. Uh, you're ashamed to uh, the early Americans who gave up so much to have an actual free country. You don't have freedom anymore. You have nothing but a delusion of freedom. You're all in bondage again. And you need to admit that in order to do something about it. I'm not trying to rub your nose in it. I'm trying to wake you up to the fact that you have made a big mistake. You have gone the wrong way. Now you get to turn around and do something about it. And so the other thing that I wanted to point out is their ability to create deposits. They create deposits. You think that the money that the bank loans out is the money you have on deposit there? No. They create deposits. They create money out of nothing. If you went and tried to pay off all the loans, there isn't enough money to pay off all the loans. If you had every bill, every dollar bill ever printed, ever printed, you couldn't pay off all the uh, loans. Uh, and, of course, we don't have every bill that was ever printed. Many of them have been destroyed and taken back. The reality is, is that... Uh, we have created a system that finances our own slavery, as Josiah Stamp was pointing out. This is back in 1920, but of course that was after the Federal Reserve Act, uh, which was spread all over the world in other countries by the Warburgs and others that were aligned with them. We pointed out in the blog talk that the uh, uh, signing of the Financial Modernization Bill simply removed the regulations and controls of corporate entities of the state. All corporations are creation, well, I shouldn't say all corporations. Generally speaking, when we talk about corporations, we're talking about entities of the state, uh, entities that incorporate under the authority of the state. These are the Golan, the, the clay monsters we've talked about that are not really alive but act as if they are alive to do the bidding of their masters. Well, such corporate entities should be regulated, should be controlled, and if you don't control them, they will end up being out of control and destroy and devastate the land about them. And that's exactly what has taken place. So by removing those regulations, which were put on after the Depression, uh, for the very purpose, because they saw that the Depression was created by these corporations, just as I said earlier, uh, quoting uh, when men were discussing the creation of the Federal Reserve Act, that, uh, that it was in its essence going to create uh, an open way of vast inflation of currency. From now on, depressions will be science-created. In other words, why would you depression? Well, in order to move wealth. A uh, continuing process of inflation, government can confiscate secretly and unobserved an important part of the wealth of their citizens. And if that government is controlled by corporations, uh, there is no subtler, no surer means of overturning the existing basis of society than to debauch the currency. And that's exactly... So we also quoted Proverbs 1, 14 through 19, cast in thy lot among us, let us have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the ways with them, refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Now, this is advice. This is advice given to you in Proverbs because you do have a choice. You have choices. This philosophy don't make any choices, everything is preordained. I'm afraid that's a bunch of bull. They are uh, they're absolutely, why is the Bible even giving you advice if there isn't any choice? You do have a choice. You don't have as many as you think. Once you make one choice, you're either drawn downstream or upstream. You're, and like I said, only dead fish go with the flow. And the flow will take you to death and destruction and dying in the seas of the world. We are actually supposed to be looking for something else. So if you consent uh, and say, let's have one purse, and you cast in your lot amongst them, 
you run to evil. Make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any, every And they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives because your life is the one that will be forfeited. They have seduced you into these systems. Social Security is one system. Uh, Federal Reserve System is another system. Uh, there's layers and layers of this problem. And uh, th- by bringing you into these systems, so are the ways of everyone that is greedy for gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. In other words, through covetousness, they shall make merchandise of you. So saith Peter. And that's exactly what's happened. You've wanted these benefits. You wanted these entitlements. You prayed to men who called themselves benefactors to exercise authority one over the other to guarantee you things like Social Security. See our, our discussion on Corbin. See the, the article on Corbin, the new booklet on uh, the sin of Corbin to understand what that's all about. But this idea of a Federal Reserve where we have these unjust weights and measures, these fiat money, these usurious notes in circulation is going to devastate and is devastating the society as we know it. And we need to do something about it. And what can we do about it? Well, one thing we can do is understand the problem in greater depth. Now, in 2009, total bank failures was the highest annual tally since 1992 at the height of the savings and loan crisis. So there was a savings and loan crisis for some of you who have memories back in 1992 that had to be resolved. How did they resolve that? In 2009, failures cost the insurance fund more than $30 billion. And now those amounts are going up quite a bit because more banks are failing. Uh, 25 banks failed in 2008. The year financial crisis struck with force, only three succumbed in 2007. So you went from three banks to 25 banks, and now we have more banks. We just had seven collapse the other day, uh, or I should say close or whatever. But what what is their solution? Uh, the banks are sharing the losses of these millions of dollars. In other words, other banks are taking over the banks that are failing. What what are they actually doing? How are they doing this? And when we talk about insurance, this is the FDIC insurance insuring these accounts. Well, are they really protecting your interests by insuring those accounts? Well, you said, well, yeah, I mean, I got money deposited in that bank. If it closes, I lose all my money. No, you don't. Who said you lose all your money? Who said that the bank was closing because it, to pay its depositors? It doesn't have enough money and assets to pay its depositors? Well, yeah, they loan their money out, right? No, that isn't how it works. Remember what Josiah said? said? The ability to create deposits. This is a fractional reserve system. They're not loaning out the money you have on deposit. They're loaning out money no one has on deposit because they create deposits they create money they create credit now just to give you a little idea we'll diverse here for a second before we get into a full explanation of this you go down to the post office and buy a money order you have doubled the money supply of whatever amount that is because you gave them a hundred dollars and they gave you a hundred dollar money order And now you're walking around with a $100 money order, and you're going to use it as money. But they already have your $100, so you've just doubled the money supplied by $100. The $100 you gave them is still in circulation, yet there's another $100 in circulation. That's very interesting. If you think about that, if you start doing that on a large scale, you've doubled the money supply. You yourself went that way. All you have is a note that somewhere... The post office will give somebody that $100 back. But in the meantime, you've doubled the money supply. Because you could actually use that uh, U.S. uh, money order as money. You could give it to somebody you owe $100. You could give it to somebody else he owes $100. You could give it to somebody else he owes $100. And the post office still has the original $100. 
So you have twice as much money in circulation based on the original $100 because you went and bought a money order. So understanding that has a long-range uh, repercussion. Now, the Federal Reserve buys printed bills, or this is the way it used to do it, buys printed bills, $5 bills, $1 bills, $100 bills, all the same amount based on weight, printing costs, and then loans them into circulation at interest. We'll say it has a billion dollars and it loans it into circulation at 1% uh, interest. So you have to pay back a billion dollars plus 1%. But where do you get the money for the 1%? Because you only loaned a billion dollars into circulation. <laughs> and you've got to pay it back, a billion dollars plus 1%. But they didn't loan the 1% into circulation, just a billion dollars. So you see, there's a problem here. You know, that uh, money order wasn't loaned into circulation. You actually paid for the service, but it wasn't loaned into circulation. But yet you doubled the money supply. So there's a lot of different ways to do this. U.S. notes, we used to have U.S. notes. Kennedy was the last one to issue U.S. notes. They shot him, and then the first thing out of the mouth of LBJ was we're not going to issue U.S. notes anymore. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it wasn't 24 hours, and they stopped that. So... Uh, we have to understand that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than, than we hear about on Fox News. So anyway, these banks are closing. What does that mean? What does it mean that the FDIC insures the account? What does it mean when other banks are sharing the losses? Are there any actual losses taking place? Well, theoretically, book entry, some of those invented deposits, you may not get the money for those invented deposits. Of course, you never had it, never existed. You just created them. You created these deposits. In other words, if you give the bank a million dollars in deposits, it can loan out, say, $5 million or even $10 million at what 10 percent interest five percent interest but 90 percent of the deposits don't exist it's not, you don't have to guarantee those deposits they don't exist but that's what they're sharing that okay so they invented it started with a million they got 10 million dollars in deposits only a million in actual deposits nine million in not actual deposits they loan out all that money and they get back a percentage of what they loaned out and what they loaned out except they didn't loan it out didn't ever exist <laughs> they just invented it and so what that amounts to what is that now think about this They've got $10 million out in loans. They only have a million dollars actual in deposits of customers. And now suddenly some of the loans aren't being paid back. And what does that mean? Okay, half of the loans say don't get paid back. Well, you still have more than enough money to pay off the depositors. It's all there. Now, what's the problem with these banks buying, sharing these losses? They're just looking for what they can make money on. They aren't covering anybody else. They're going to make money on because they're going to take over all those loans. Sure, they're going to have to foreclose on a few. They're going to lose some money when they foreclose because they're not going to be able to sell the property for what it was assessed at because the market's down. But say they sell the property at half of what it is assessed at. You got to remember that the money they loaned out to buy the house originally never existed. They just created those deposits. So if they only get half the money back, they're still going to get way more than they got. What are they covering when they buy those banks? What you need to do is foreclose those banks. They're bankrupt. Okay? Then you take the assets, which is the paper that they have, and you put it on the market and any company, any corporation can come along and bid on 
those that paper. You should actually make it so that anybody can bid on that paper. Anybody can bid on that paper, including the people who borrowed that money originally. It doesn't exist. The deposits don't exist anyway. So say you go borrow $50,000 to go buy a tractor. Now, this is the actual real case scenario. Somebody comes along and they say, okay, there's a $50,000 loan on this tractor, and the bank is closing. I want to buy that paper, that $50,000 note. I'll bid $5,000. Anybody else bid higher? Nobody bids higher. You get the $50,000 note for $5,000. Now you can actually go to the person who owes the $50,000 and say to him, what can you pay on this note? And he says, well, I, I can't pay the 50000 off. I mean, I mean, if you had to go out and, and borrow the money right now, how much money could you borrow and buy this note from us? Well, I can't borrow a 50000 Okay, what can you? 20000 I can I can come up with $20,000. Okay, you give me $20,000, we'll tear up this $50,000 note. This is a real case scenario. This really happened. It all happened that back in the SNL uh, closures. You bought the note for $5,000. You just got the guy to buy the note back from you for $20,000. He's tickled pink. He doesn't have to pay $50,000 for the tractor. He just got a $50,000 tractor for $20,000. He just made $30,000. He is happy. The guy who sold him the note for five thousand uh, uh, for twenty thousand dollars bought it for five. He just made fifteen thousand dollars by tearing up that note. He's happy. He's happy. He's tickled pink. The bank sold an imaginary deposit on a note for about what it was worth five thousand bucks. That 5000 bucks will cover all the actual deposits if you go through and you sell off all this other bad paper. You just sell it off. Easily done. Easily done. And if you include more than just corporations, you could do this rapidly and quickly and efficiently. And if you work together in a chain of churches uh, of record, Nobody would have to lose their home. Nobody would have to lose their home at all. You would have homes that everybody could continue to live in, pay off, and everybody would be happy, except for the banker's going to have to buy a 20-foot boat instead of a 50-foot boat when he retires. That's the only drawback. They don't Hear it first on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. 
The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? If you'd like to get a copy at FirstAmendmentRadio.com for only $45 a month, and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all of our programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you may request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $25. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You may do all of this online at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. You may also adopt an hour of your favorite program, Please don't forget that most of the programs on FirstAmendmentRadio.com are listener-supported. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. on this subject on talk show after the show is over uh, and you can find out about how to get on talk show by going to the living network and joining the living network the early kingdom of god uh, which goes back into ancient times even before the flood which is simply the right to be ruled by god uh, seth uh, abel they were ruled by God. Cain wanted to rule himself. In order to do that, he also wanted to rule over other men and other people. And Lamech and all of his followers did so. Nimrod fell to the same school. And today we have many, many people who want to rule over their brothers. And they often get to do this by spreading that net and seducing you into schemes, governmental, corporate, welfare schemes that make you merchandise. They depend upon you coveting your neighbor's goods, gathering together to have one purse, and then you have to have somebody ruling over that, and that ruler begins to rule over you. He has dominion, you don't, and you become subject, and you return to the bondage of Egypt. God does not want you there. He wants each of you to own your own land, be independent, be self-reliant, come together in faith, hope, and charity, and this is the kingdom of God, where men are ruled by God and not by other men. When you're ruled by other men, you give them power, that power corrupts them, and they become like Saul, uh, like Rehoboam, like these other men who become totalitarian. That is your fault. You gave them too much power because you did not accept the responsibility that is correlative to rights. So anyway, in talking about banking, we see that banks can create deposits. It's a fractional reserve system. You don't even have real money involved anymore. You have fiat, Federal Reserve type notes that are more fiat than ever. They're no longer redeemable and lawful money. They never were lawful money. They've only been legal tender. And they are, we are having banks closed because they have loaned you money on value of houses on a fluctuating uh, currency that had no just weight or measure. And therefore now you're expected to pay $300,000, $400,000 for a house you can't sell for $150,000. If they allowed those banks to close, which is what they should have done, it's been done since Babylon, 
this way. And we have very good uh, bankruptcy laws that protect those banks and allow a period of time so that all that bad paper that they have, that they actually have, they'd actually have to do some work because they actually have to prove that they have the paper on those uh, mortgages, which is what we're seeing now is a lot of the foreclosures uh, that we see coming down, they did not even have a legal right to do that because they could not prove that they had the original mortgage still. You know, if they sold that mortgage to somebody else, that's the one who needs to do the foreclosing. And uh, they haven't even been keeping their paperwork. They have been so greedy for gain that they don't even do their own homework. So anyway, the point is, is that if those banks closed, that bad paper those papers on those loans, those mortgages, would have to go on the auction block, and they would be sold. Everybody would still be in their houses. They wouldn't even have to make payments during the SNL scandal. Uh, if you uh, if the if you had a loan with an SNL, and that SNL was closing, you didn't have to make payments while that SNL was closing. They they just froze everything. Until they found, okay, we've got this mortgage, this mortgage, this mortgage, this mortgage. We're going to sell these. Bidders, come. Show up on this day. We're going to sell this, 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 this. And they sell those mortgages. Boom, 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 boom. And some of them they sold $0.10 cents on the dollar. Some they sold for $0.20 cents on the dollar, just depending on who had the mortgage and what you could liable to turn over quickly to get more money. Now, some mortgage companies probably just went and, and uh, and bid, you know, uh, 80 cents on the dollar, uh, 50 cents on the dollar. And then they didn't renegotiate the loan. They just sat on it. Hey, they're going to make the 50, they're going to make 50% right off because they only paid, you know, $100,000 for a $200,000 loan. And the guy's going to pay back 200000 plus 8, 9, 10% interest. So they're going to make a fortune on that. So they just sat on it. But the guys who wanted to turn a quick profit and build up the reserves that we're going to need to buy more, they're going to go to you and they're going to negotiate quickly. They're going to say, hey, you know, like I said, $50,000 tractor, can you pay me $20,000? You bet. Okay. Well, you could have done that. All the homes up in Bend that were being sold for $350,000, $400,000. They could have put those on the, uh, sold that paper and uh, people bought it. You could have come together and everybody would have made money. Uh, and that, what would they do with that money? They'd put it into circulation. They'd buy more goods and services. The economy would have been stimulated beyond your belief. We would have prospered. Sure, your $400,000 home was only worth $150,000, $200,000, but that didn't cost you anything. You still had the same number of bedrooms, still had the same number of bathrooms, still had the same roof over your head. Yeah, you, but because they would renegotiate those loans, you might only have to pay $300,000 or $150,000 for that house. So that would drop your payment down. Everybody would still make money more than you would by depositing money in a bank. It would have been a little bit of chaos, but in six months, the economy would have turned around. Businesses would have still been operating. There would have been less banks operating, but then there could be something else operating in instead. And that's what we're going to get to in the second half of the program. What could be operating in its stead? Well, in the Bible, we see in Acts 6-3, we see Peter calling to choose seven men. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, fully of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. What business? The widows and orphans is what they're talking about, the needy of their society. And that would be, the needy could be a lot of people, not just widows and orphans. Remember, pure religion is caring for the widows and orphans and needy of your society, unspotted by the world and how the world cares for them, which takes us back to Corbin 
You need to read the articles on Corbin on hisholychurch.org, the new booklet on Corbin. You need to understand what Corbin is because the Corbin of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect, and that's mostly the Corbin that you're dealing with today. Most every church in the United States has the Corbin of the Pharisees as the main way in which they care for widows and orphans today. And the Corbin of the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect. And your churches have led you into the Corbin of Pharisees. Your church has gone against of Christ. It is the adversary to Christ. And you need to turn around and start going the other way, which is seeking the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get up and go find out. Go on the net. Get on the net. You can... Uh, you can get those articles for free. You can get the booklet and printable form uh, for free. Just get on the net, go to the outline page, look for the word Corbin, and you'll see it there at hisholychurch.org. So who are these seven men? In Acts 6-2, we see, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The word tables there is the same Greek word that is translated into bank in the word in the uh, Gospel of Luke 12:23. It is actually the same word that we see where Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers. That's right. That's the same exact word that's translated in the bank. And if you were in Greece today and you want to know where the bank was, you'd use the same exact word to say, where's the bank? So what are they talking about? Are they starting a bank? These seven guys, are they part of the board of directors for a bank? We're talking a major government here. We're not talking a couple of guys, you know, hanging out on the street corner and say, oh, we got a widow over here. we got to help her out a little bit. Give her, take 10 bucks. Yeah, you get 20 bucks or 30 bucks. We'll give her that, and we'll take care of her. No, we're talking a government here, rightly dividing the bread from house to house, working daily in the temple. That What temple? The temple where the royal gasoline was, the royal treasury. Jesus is in the royal treasury there, in the Gospels, instructing the ministers of the royal treasury. Why? Because he's the king. He's the king of Judea. They, Hosanna, son of David, highest son of David. He was the king. He's giving orders in the temple. I can't carry these vessels anymore, whatever that vessel word means. Many Jewish historians actually believe that the word vessel bear is the word for swords and armaments. He was ordering that they couldn't carry swords and armaments anymore. Who couldn't? The ministers of the temple. Why would they even have those? To compel the offerings of the people in the Corbin of the Pharisees. What should have been for your welfare had become a snare. David warned you. Paul told you. On the 25th day of Adar, business was only transacted within the precinct of Jerusalem. And after that date, those who refused to pay the impost could be proceeded against at law, and their goods distrained, the only exception being in favor of priests, and that for the sake of peace, lest their office should come in disrepute. What are they talking about here? In that, uh, we're actually talking Alfred uh, Edersheim's uh, uh, book, The Temple. They had gone from free will offerings to compelled offerings, compelled contributions. Their social welfare was provided by compelled contributions established by the Sanhedrin, which was literally their Congress of lawmakers at that time. 
No longer was the power of government in the hands of the people. They had become lawful and had gone under tribute, and now they were forced to pay in to these rulers, and the priests at that time were living in a more opulent living quarters than even the king of Judea. And, of course, Christ would not dwell in those opulent living quarters even for the king. He would only sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. He would go out and sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have. He could have slept in the king's palace. He was hailed as king. He was in the royal treasury. That's what the Greek says. Instructing the ministers. But he was a king who came to serve. The men I saw debating for the office of senator in the state of Oregon aren't coming to serve, but to be served, to exercise power, to make laws, to control. And so they can go and do that. And those who wish to pray to them for benefits may do so. But you should be seeking the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God. You need to turn around and go the other way. Over uh, The tribute could exceed over seven. million denarii in that one month and the money changers would take a clip from that that would be equivalent to about nine million dollars in u.s currency today actually that's a 2000 figure so today it would probably be closer to 18 20 million dollars in value would be their salary and Jesus came in and fired the money changers in the month of Adar. Now you know why they crucified Christ. Follow the money. These were bankers who were and tax collectors, the Gabbai and the Molokai. So what what is going on here? People were investing in the services oriented government of Christ, appointed government rather than the contributions to the authoritarian benefactors of the Hellenistic Jews. This is why the Christians were who got the baptism of Christ instead of the baptism of Herod were cast out of the system. Is because they had developed their own system, their own system of charity. And they had begun to cast their bread upon the waters. In other words, they had free will offerings. They gave them to men they trusted, and they trusted that those men would use them accordingly. That's not the seven men that they picked. Those seven men were to be a part of a financial institution that would help implement those offerings and allow them to able to send aid abroad, send aid to other communities rapidly and quickly through this literally what was a credit union by our standards today what those seven men were were creating a credit union if we go and read in proverbs 26 16 jeremiah 52 25 and esther 110 and micah 5 5 uh, we'll see the idea of seven men being chosen for both good or evil is a common thing in history and in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes, we see in 11.1.2, Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what is upon the earth. What are they talking about? They're talking about a system of Uh, social welfare not based as we see social security but on free will offerings in a system most of the charity would be taken care of in your local network your local congregation but then those congregations are united with other congregations and through your ministers you will know what need is uh, comes about in those different congregations and can help out and in very hard times, this will take a great deal of charity on your part because it's very easy to share your surplus. It's another thing to be as sharing in your want. But anyway, this idea of these seven men, give a portion to seven and also to eight, 
for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. These seven provided a service sometimes needed from a bank without being a bank for profit or gain. Uh, the credit union, concept of a credit union, has seven boards of directors. They cannot receive a wage. They do not receive any profit from their efforts. That is the law. A credit union in most countries cannot call itself a bank, yet it can do all the things that a bank can do. It can have actual depositors. Why do they have that as deposits? Because they will make loans. And they will charge interest on those loans, except for the interest is not for profit or gain because a credit union cannot make profit or gain. It is a charitable financial institution. If it makes any money, if it makes any profit or gain, it must give it back to its depositors, its members, in some sort of charitable way. Now, it does have expenses, and that's what the interest is to pay. But that's not what a bank does. A bank makes a profit, a huge profit. And we need to make a different kind of profit by profiting one another. And in doing so, create the bonds of love and faith and hope that binds the country and the kingdom of God together. I shouldn't say country, I should say the nation. But... We have gone so far away from where it should be. And how did we do this? Seven men in Wall Street now control a great share of the fundamental industry and resources of the United States. Uh, the Seven Men by John Moody, uh, McClure's Magazine, August 1911. That's what I'm quoting from. In 1910, seven men met in Jekyll Island just off the coast of Georgia to establish a central bank which they call the Federal Reserve Bank, which is a private bank, which we've covered before. I mean, there's, uh, there are uh, court rulings that state this. There are congressmen and senators that have stated it. It's a private bank for the purposes of making a profit. Credit union core value and structure are very different from those of banks. As a member, you're not just a customer. You're an owner with a say in the future course of the credit union. Plus, credit union's not-for-profit status means that all earnings are returned to the members in the form of great rates, low fees. Uh, banks, on the other hand, exist to make a profit for shareholders, so their definition of success is different. Credit unions also give uh, members the chance to get involved. The uh, the board of directors is made up entirely of volunteers, as is the supervisory committee, which audits the credit union's books. As a volunteer, you can be a driving force in your credit union. Now, I'm actually quoting from uh, you know credit union websites that explain how they work. We have recently had uh, several people talking about forming a His Church Credit Union. If you're interested in doing that, join the Living Network. Uh, go to hisholychurch.org. Uh, join that network and say you're interested in the credit union, and we'll start putting together groups that can start working in that direction. We have people already that are on the network or associated with a network that are familiar with credit unions, uh, either work there or have a uh, relatives that are working there and uh, we have some ministers that are interested in creating a credit union and we need to do that and we need to do that rapidly and we need to do that so that uh, we can provide for churches all over the country that are working together in a network of a faith emergency management auxiliary that is going to provide for one another in faith open charity that is the way the early church in America operated entirely by faith, open charity, and it provided almost all the social welfare for the country. We don't do that anymore, and that's why the churches are emptying out. They don't do anything but make you feel good about where you're at. And that's not the purpose of the church. The church is to lead you to the ways of Christ, the ways of our Father in heaven. 
and be a guide to you so that you will learn to live by faith, hope, and charity under the authority of God. We have gone away from the authority of God, out of the presence of God, and participated in systems that bring us back into bondage. And we need to change that. We need to change our outlook towards one another by living an entirely different way. According to some of the basic things that exist in a de facto government uh, is a method of identification of its members, international acceptance of its existence and its consular support. All these things can be provided to uh, churches of record uh, who form a chain of authentication where your minister becomes your notary public. Uh, he becomes the uh, core of your identity uh, in relationship to the rest of the network of churches. And this is very important because when hard times come, it will be harder for some in some areas for a period of time than it is for others in other areas. By coming together in this chain of authentication, this uh, congregations of record, we can help one another out. We can do this in ways that you have not yet even imagined, and banking is just one of them. I hope that you will all see this on talk show or questions and answers concerning this and other things that are coming up in the network. Go ahead make peace upon your house and God You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.